Good morning. It's good to be back at uh, Reformation. It's good to see all the familiar faces, and you're all in your spots. <laughs> well, a couple, a couple that have changed, there are some new faces. But uh, thank you for having me today, and thank you. Oh, and look it! I just here's my dear brother. <laughs> I, I I didn't even. Re Realized you were sitting there a minute, Roland. And I saw Mary, and I thought, Roland must be here. <laughs> oh, thank you. I had emailed him and told him I was going to be here this morning. And uh, thanks for coming. And Ed said you might be here. So. And I also want to just to be with my dear brother, Russ, my, my boy. <laughs> and, yeah, we've known each other now for many years. And as you know, I, I mentored him and six other uh, first ordained pastors for in uh, we were met for three years in my my family room and so that's how I got to know him so well. Yeah. So, well, I'd like to to um, use this morning the scripture from Romans chapter five, underscoring that verse number eight. And um, as I'm preaching, you probably think, well, now, how does this fit in? But you just stay with me to the end of the sermon, and you'll see how it works, okay? <laughs> but God demonstrates his own love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <clears throat> Last month, middle of May, I was in prison for three and a half days. I was out at the federal prison at Terminal Island in San Pedro. And 34 of us Christian men we're conducting what they call a Kairos weekend. We go into the prison and spend three and a half days bringing the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ to the inmates. We had 44 of these precious human beings in our charge for three and a half days. During the day, we would be at around a table. There were seven big round tables in this room about the size of the sanctuary. And at each table were ten men, six inmates and four of us from the outside. We were extremely close quarters. Uh, we were always bumping each other in the shoulder and the elbows because it was just a very small room for all these men. So I was surrounded there, one on my right, left, far left, by inmates. And one of the things that we do besides sing, listen to talks, share, get to know one another, pray for each other, one of the things that we do in the weekend is at one point 
our table got up all together and we go in a very, very small room, like a closet. And in this closet, there were 10 chairs, nine and one in the middle. And we would spend time praying for one another, laying on of hands. And not only for the inmates, for us too. We were anxious to get in that middle chair. Well, sometimes those prayer sessions would last for an hour, two hours. One table was in there for five hours. Well, the man I had sponsored, Lyle, who had been in prison for five years, he's got about five more to go. It was his turn to be in the center, the center chair. Lyle is um, about, I think he told me he was 46, 47 years old. He has a wife waiting for him on the outside. He has adult children waiting for him on the outside. And he has a brand new grandbaby whom he's never seen waiting for him on the outside. But he won't see that grandchild until she's about five, because he's got about five more years to go. So Lyle sits down in the middle of the, the circle, and he begins to just sob uncontrollably. He's, he's a big man. And so when he was able to pull himself together, I said, Lyle, what's wrong? He said, I want you to pray, you men, to pray that someday I will see my father again. He said, I, I don't know if he knew Jesus or not. I hope he did. But I'm just hoping he's dead now, but I hope that I will see him in heaven someday. He said, you know, the only thing I remember about my father was his strap across my back. And the, broken bones from his violence. That's all I remember. But I love him. He was my father. And I'm thinking to myself, why would you ever want to see this monster again? He was his father. God has placed in your heart and in mine, as children, the longing and the desire to be loved, to be affirmed, and to receive the tenderness from our dads. We all have this, both as children, children, and adult children. And Lyle never received any of this as a child. He's hoping that maybe in heaven, 
it will happen. You see, dads are so important. Dads are so important. Every single person here, and you know what I'm talking about, has longed for the, 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 the affirmation and the tender love of a father. I love that sign out here, pray for our fathers. Pray for our fathers that they might be loving, tender, affirming, accepting of their children. That's what we want. A few years back, we had a speaker when I was still pastor up at our, our Redeemer. We had a speaker on a Saturday morning for our men's breakfast. And he was the coach, the coach, football coach out at Lutheran High in Orange. And this guy is just fabulous. He is just the most wonderful human being. <coughs> and I went up to him after he gave his talk and said, those boys who play football under you are so lucky because you're not only teaching them about football, you're teaching them how to live with Jesus as the center of their life. And I'll never forget when he began his talk. He looked out at us, there were about 40 of us, fathers, grandfathers, uncles, cousins. And he looked at us and he said, do you know how kids spell love? Do you know how kids spell love? T-I-M-E. Time. He said, dads don't get that straight. They want to give their kids everything else but their time. And that's how kids spell love, is T-I-M-E. One of my favorite stories, true story, about the young Christian executive. He had one daughter. He made all kinds of money. And he gave to that child everything you could imagine. They lived in a multi-million dollar home at the end of the cul-de-sac. She wore nothing but designer clothes. <coughs> that child had lessons for everything under the sun, private lessons. That child had a nanny. That child was pampered from morning till night. But guess what she asked her daddy? She said, Daddy, would you build me a dollhouse? You give me all these dolls. Would you build me a beautiful dollhouse? He said, sure, sweetheart. Next Saturday, 
we'll start. We'll go down, get some material, and I'll begin to build you a dollhouse. Well, next Saturday came, sweetheart, I'm sorry. You know, I've, I've got a big business meeting today on Saturday. I didn't plan to go into work, but we'll do it next Saturday. Okay. Next Saturday comes, sweetheart, you know what? I've got to go in the office again. And he said, you know, honey, I'm trying to make a lot of money so that I can give you the things that I never had. That, that's why Daddy has to go into work all the time. I want you to have all the things I never had. So we went into work. Next Saturday, sweetheart, we'll start our dollhouse. Next Saturday came, he said, honey, I'm sorry, but I've got to go to a business weekend. Um, but I promise you, next Saturday, we'll start this dollhouse. Well, he came home from the business retreat Sunday night, about 7 o'clock. Turns up the cul-de-sac. He sees this police car and this ambulance. He thought, huh, wonder what that's all about. As it got closer, he realized they were in front of his house. He jumps out of his car and runs to his front yard. And there is his little girl dying. She's been hit by a car. He pushes the paramedics out of the way and pushes the, the cops out of the way and he takes this angel in his arms. And she looks up at him and she says, Daddy, we never got our dollhouse built, did we? We never got our dollhouse built. And she died. All our kids want, basically, is our time. And she saw in that dollhouse her daddy's time. He would be in the garage. I'll be with him. We'll be together as he builds my dollhouse. Never happened. Why can't we understand this? Now here's Russ with two precious daughters. Always remember, Russ, what those two angels want most is your time. I remember um, after Ronald Reagan passed away, his daughter Patty, who's a very good author, wrote this beautiful tribute to her dad, and it was printed in the Time magazine. And she wrote in this Time magazine tribute, she said, you know, all I ever wanted from my dad was his time. Just a little bit of my dad's time. But she said, he never gave it to me. 
Sure, he was governor. Sure, he was president. What did that mean to me? Nothing. I wanted my dad's time. He always had time for the state. Always had time for the country. He never had time for me or for Ron Jr. And you know the story. They rebelled. Those kids rebelled. And, and they were just gave their parents a big, big hit. But then she writes a very interesting thing. She said, in our home, the most important child was the country. In our home, she said, the most important child was the country. You know, when I was raising my kids, they're 41 and 43 now. When, I, when we were raising Matt and Rachel, I tried to resist the temptation of making the most important child the church. But I failed many, many times. The most important child in our home many times was the church. I, I was just a great pastor. Ask, ask, ask the, the church, the churches that I served. Ask my colleagues. Oh, Ken, he was he's just a great pastor. If anybody in that congregation wanted my time, they got it. If they were sick, in trouble, needed counseling, if they needed a good sermon, a good Bible study, man, I was there. But I had two kids at home who were saying, Daddy, over here, how about us? How about some of your time? My wife never once complained. But she spent an awful lot of time with those kids alone, without me there. But even though at times they were a little bit bitter, a little bit resentful, I don't know how you're, you know, in your house, um, they, they, they got over it and I have, I have said to them so many times now that they are adults, I'm sorry, forgive me. I should have spent more time with you. If I had it to do over again, I, I would make sure I gave you more of my time. Dad, forgive me. We're fine. We turned out all right. Forget it. You weren't perfect, but we love you. Forget it. I guess my daughter loves me because... Um, she called the other day and said, Dad, you haven't been at my house for two years for Father's Day. 
I want you and mom to come to our house today. And I'm going to fix you dinner. Everything you love. And I'm hoping that she includes on that menu my favorite dessert, which is she makes the best French apple pie that you've ever tasted. So, in the same way with Patty Reagan, you know, she writes, she goes on and she says, my dad never gave me his time. Occasionally he did. He taught me how to horseback ride, to swim. He taught me how to talk to God. He taught me about God. So she said, I put those little moments together. I string them together and they are part of my beautiful memory of my father. Children have a tremendous capacity to forgive, to forgive. All they want is our time. So, the man you see standing before you today is a very imperfect father. I did my best, but I failed many times. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner from top to bottom and inside and out. So you know what I do, what I'm going to do today on Father's Day? I'm going to the foot of the cross and ask Jesus to once again forgive me, to strengthen me. And as I go to the foot of the cross, the Lord Jesus reconciles me with my Heavenly Father. And I'm okay. That's the gospel. So I invite all of you men this morning to come with me in your mind. All you imperfect fathers. All you sinful fathers. Come with me and we'll stand together at the foot of the cross. And there we will receive from our Lord Jesus reconciliation with the Father in heaven and reconciliation with one another as brothers in Christ. And oh, by the way, I also invite all you imperfect, sinful mothers to come to the, with us. <laughs> and all you imperfect and sinful grandfathers. Throwing their children. I'm getting there. Okay. I'm getting there. <laughs> and all you imperfect and sinful grandmothers, and grandfather. And then, Russ, will invite all of the sinful and perfect children. And we'll all go to the foot of the cross. And there, through our Lord Jesus Christ, we will be reconciled with our Father in heaven and with each other on this Father's Day. 
Now that's the best news I could give you right there. The gospel. So happy Father's Day. Thank you. The church today will be on our way to Thousand Oaks. I can celebrate with my daughter who loves me. My son will be there who loves me. And they're going to say, Dad, you're okay. You did the best you could with your child. And you love Jesus. Thank you.